Hello and welcome to the Future Healthcare Today podcast. I'm your host, Kevin Tierney, and today we're discussing something of a pressing subject for the healthcare industry, member satisfaction. A recent member empowerment study from Zealous has revealed some interesting facts that have many in the healthcare industry scratching their heads. With 1,100 people and over 70 hours of focus group interaction, this study really tried to get at the heart of the challenges that members are facing, as well as their usage of healthcare and their overall experience with navigating payments and benefits. What was clear from this study is that members are becoming more determined to take ownership of their healthcare information. Many express a desire for solutions that provide clarity, control, and guidance, all three of which lead the way to better healthcare decisions for members. As such, partners are developing solutions with transparency and education in mind to further empower members on their journey while providing enough support along the way. This improvement of the healthcare experience will allow partners to gain a greater trust for payers and increase satisfaction with their healthcare outcomes. Joining me today to unpack the results of this study and to better understand what it means to the future of the industry is Madison Goldfisher, Vice President and Head of Product for Member Empowerment at Zealous. Madison, welcome. Thanks so much. Um, it's uh, very happy to be here and excited to talk about this. So, Madison, let's just go ahead and jump right in. Plants often feel that a member doesn't engage nearly enough to get all the benefits that they can. In the recent member empowerment study that we referenced earlier, one of the most cited reasons for disengagement is broken trust. So I guess my first question for you, what can plans do to reestablish that trust and to give members more clarity, control, and guidance through the entire healthcare process? It's a great question, and we spent a lot of time doing research around this. Uh, over 70 hours of kind of focus groups and, you know, 1,100 people that participated in some quantitative surveys. People disengage because they just don't have a clear understanding of something um, or it's not made easy for them. What plans can do to kind of reestablish that is they can look at certain metrics as guidance. They're not the whole of how you should actually reestablish that. You're going to need to actually build a directional insight using those, right? Whether that's member satisfaction, uh, NPS scores, uh, et cetera. But really what they need to do is kind of cut through the junk that is put out there to members and make things very deliberate and clear. Um, and so like one really good reason that people that we found uh, just don't trust the plans is, you know, because they don't understand how benefits work, how healthcare works. Healthcare insurance, for example, is just very different than auto insurance, which is rarely used and hopefully not ever used. Whereas health plan insurance is used often, but structurally it's very similar to how rarely used insurance products like auto insurance are leveraged. And so creating kind of a better understanding of like how that works, what this means for me is, is one major way that we think is, is really needed to drive uh, and reestablish trust. And that comes from, you know, like I said, an understanding, there's the clarity part, and that helps members just understand how they can take control and leverage those benefits. Um, and then the last part of that is really taking all of that. Um, and there are some parts of healthcare that are hard to navigate and really building kind of guided opportunities where it's not just members kind of in complex situations, going off and trying to find and understand how to do those things themselves, but really leading them to the right choices, but still allowing them to make a choice. Um, so they feel like they're not provided, being provided like direct oversight of their care, which is really their body, if you think about it. 
So do you see increased clarity being a crucial part of rebuilding that trust? Or to put it another way, what do members need to gain more clarity as they approach these healthcare decisions? There's a couple of things. Cost clarity is number one. We've found that just a basic understanding of what is this going to cost me out of pocket is super important. The average American does not have a ton in savings. It's under $1,000 in emergency funds. And so that understanding of what is it going to cost me is super critical. The next part of that we found is finding care and understanding what to do for care as it relates to symptomology um, or care situations. You know, if you're having a baby, what happens and what is included as part of your benefits as part of that experience, that event, that life event that's going to occur is also super important. Um, and then lastly, it's clarity on aftercare, which is, all right, I've got, you know, all of this paperwork. I might get a couple bills in the mail. Are they correct? Am I going to end up with a balance bill after I pay this? What does an EOB mean? Why do the numbers look different accordingly to each other? And so kind of cutting through all of those and really driving simplicity of what those mean for them, but then also what should come next is is super important to help make healthcare decisions. So what happens when members feel like they have a lack of control when it comes to healthcare experience? I'll give you an example. I think high deductible plans are really a very interesting kind of macrocosm of of issues, but there's a lot of kind of downstream effects that come from those. And and really, if I think about it, high deductible plans were built originally to drive consumerism, shopping for care. You have deductibles, you have out-of-pockets, you don't have any co-pays. You're supposed to go find the lowest cost care instead of relying on kind of a menu of co-pays. But then there's kind of the lack of cost transparency um, that makes people feel confident and therefore they don't feel like they have control. Um, And so what we've seen, and there's some pretty good research to back this up that shows that people in high deductible plans are less likely to get appropriate care, um, especially those who who are trying to manage conditions, because they just don't understand what it's going to cost them. Therefore, they don't feel comfortable committing to something. And that's that's a big problem, right? If you think about long-term care costs, you want to try to manage appropriate care up front and hopefully stem off any major issues on the backside of that equation down the road. Um, there are some interesting um, you know, issues in that where a lot of times there's a ton of churn at the member level where they may have a different plan every year. And so some health plans may not feel obligated to provide an experience that helps well with that. I think the thing that I, you know, I just want to hit on is um, all of these plans that an individual is going to come back to you later, right? That churn happens, you know, one year you're with major insurance one and major insurance two the next year, you may come back to major insurance one the year thereafter. And so just making sure there's an understanding of, you know, managing and establishing those conditions in which people can gain control so that later on, you're not having to stave off from, in this example, major problems that may stem from a mismanaged condition. So we've discussed the actual process of receiving health care, but let's take a step back and focus on the interaction between the member and the payer. How can health plans uh, help provide meaningful guidance to members along their health care experience before they even talk to a live person? 
And when do you think it is necessary to elevate that up to have a person-to-person interaction? Self-service tools are, are so important. And I think, you know, if we're having this conversation, you know, a decade ago, the idea of robust, proactive digital self-service tools in the healthcare space were just pretty much non-existent. They were very much in their infancy. But I think having those tools available and, you know, again, the technology nowadays is, is robust enough for us to be proactive about how we engage. And so using things like websites and portals that have enough information but are easily navigable, mobile apps that can go anywhere with you, but all of them have to have those critical major elements um, upfront as as to like how I want to use my benefits. Um, and so the more tailored they are to the individual, if I have a chronic condition, for example, the things I'm going to need out of that experience are going to look very different than if I'm, you know, a very healthy individual right now, I, you know, do the normal things I need to do. Like I see my um, primary care physician on an annual or biannual basis. Um, the things that you're going to need from those experiences are going to look very different, right? They're different user types. And so making sure that those self-service tools and those digital tools are providing those experiences that are very much tailored is so important. You're literally knocking down barriers to finding things that you need when you do that. And I think the second part of your question was what person-to-person interaction, right? Having a digital first mindset is great, but you still need like an omni-channel experience. There are going to be complex situations which some of these self-service tools may not be able to manage out the gate, or they may be able to get someone, you know, 80% of the way there. The 20% part is really something that, you know, can require or need a person-to-person interaction. A good example of that is in a prior auth situation where that may have been denied. Having an understanding of why that was denied um, so people get comfort, comfortable on the decision that was made um, is, is something that you're going to need to talk to someone about. Being able to interact with someone to get an understanding and, and doing it in a way where it's very much down to a consumer grade level and not talking insurance jargon is so important. Um, and so keeping an open mind to have managing and maintaining omni-channel engagements um, is, is critical. And, and some people just don't want to use mobile apps. It's not efficient for them. They may not be technologically savvy and, and B, they just might be naturally trained to picking up the phone and calling someone when they have a service inquiry. So I think the key when we talk about both of those is that the data needs to be consistent. What you don't want to have happen is, and this is where you really get appreciation, is if someone sees something in their mobile app, for example, and then they might call into service to go a little deeper. If the data is different there and the reasonings are different that you're seeing, um, that can cause a ton of abrasion, and it just doesn't feel like the product you bought, the insurance that you bought, is doing the job that they needed to do to make sure that you're getting the best service, both at the care delivery level as well as the you know the insurance service level. So it sounds like Madison, you're kind of describing a service mentality when it comes to interacting with members. Do you see the healthcare industry trying to adapt service mentality that might be prevalent in other industries or? I guess to say it a bit differently, what can the healthcare industry learn when looking at other industries and how they interact with their, their customers, their users? Yeah, there are, there are a ton of industries that have really done a really good job at taking complex situations and simplifying them. The finance industry has just done an incredible job there. Everything from banking uh, and 
like credit cards, you know, really simplifying that. The other example that I think within the finance industry that's really good and actually an interesting mirror to healthcare just because of the complexity is is really the work done around the tax code and like TurboTax. You look at that product, it has, for example, really simple understanding of what this tax implication means for me. They kind of contextualize the insights, kind of what you know, we're suggesting, you know, health plans should be looking to do with those complex benefit structures. But they also have components that are essentially concierge. You need to talk to a live person, you need to go from that self-service tool where you're getting kind of that guided experience in a digital format. And you can escalate that into an omni-channel experience. And that is just, you know, wonderfully supportive. That's why that, you know, products like that, I know there's there's others besides just what Intuit has built. Um, that's why they've they've taken off, right? And um, they've they've literally taken you know these complex rules based you know IRS codes and, and lines, and actually kind of made something fun to engage with. Um, and so I, I think that's that's an industry, and and all of that kind of drives confidence. I want to see that my taxes are done right, and that the IRS is not coming after me. And they're providing support to drive confidence, whether that's the omni-channel experience. Um, but like even in, in some of these tax products, right, they're providing guarantees on top of that, which is very interesting. Obviously, you can't necessarily do that in healthcare because it's just too complex to do that. But the guarantees and, and creating almost like a safety net underneath of understanding is is just awesome. Um, and so I think all of those are are interesting parallel opportunities that healthcare is starting to get a hold of and, and, and starting to really uh, bake into their experiences. So you've mentioned confidence. What outcomes occur when a member has more confidence in their healthcare journey? Um, a, a couple of things. Um, one is willingness to get more engaged in their own healthcare. Um, you know, I use the example of high deductible plans and lack of appropriate care. That's a great example. If there's a high level of confidence in that example where I know the price. I feel confident at least the range of which that's going to cost me at the end of the day. I might have a couple of choices in how I might pay for that. Um, you know, I'm more likely to commit to getting appropriate care. And I think everybody wants that in healthcare, which is you know, getting the right care at the right time. I think the other thing is over time, a willingness to engage in things which they would not have normally trusted the health plan for. Um, uh, health plans started doing wellness, you know, in the in the kind of late 2000s, early 2010s, um, and, and really got heavy in there. But I think what was found very quickly is there were specific groups of individuals who would engage in that who were already working on wellness. There are other areas where um, the majority of the population just didn't have that trust factor to be like, yeah, help me with my wellness. Let's, you know, let's let's maintain or get healthier. And so as you build out that confidence in the basics of the healthcare and, or sorry, the insurance products themselves um, and those core needs, the more you're going to be able to over time start pulling in all of these other components that will help people actually better manage their health both now and later. And so I think that's, that's a critical, you know, part of where the entire industry is moving to is solve those major problems and then there's opportunities to extend kind of that trust equity and that confidence equity, if you will, to other things. And um, so there's, there's a lot of opportunity in that space once you get there. 
Well, Madison, before I let you go, do you have any final thoughts for our audience? There's just a massive opportunity to think more about the healthcare individual as someone who has problems that need solved as opposed to just fully managing total cost of care, which has to happen. But to get there, it's it's really about like solving human problems. That's going to get to the place where people are going to say, yes, you know, insurance X is someone who I believe can do all of these things and more. And so really taking kind of a human-centered approach moving forward, I think is going to be very important, especially as, you know, some of the, I think some of the commercial costs will start to normalize over time. Experience is going to be everything. And people are going to look at experience as a means of of solving those those major consumer problems for, for them. Fantastic. Well, Madison, thank you again for joining us today. Sounds like there's a lot of work to be done in making sure that members and plans are on the same page, but we'll look forward to touching base with you at some point in the near future to hear how it's going. As always, we appreciate your insights, and I hope we can talk again soon. Same, same, and um, look forward to chatting in the future. And thank you to our listeners. To learn more about the best practices, lessons learned, and proven strategies for using innovative technologies to address the healthcare industry's most pressing challenges, please visit futurehealthcaretoday.com. I've been your host, Kevin Tierney, and until we talk again, so long.